your eyes to the skies. It's time for Spaced Out on 95 PFM, thanks to the Stardome Observatory and Planetarium. David Britton. G'day. G'day, mate. How's it going? Yeah, big hungry. Not too bad. Yeah, just... A bit, bit warm. Yeah, it is a little bit warm, isn't it? Yeah, it is rather. Tell you what, I don't know if you should be concerned about that or not. Well, we'll know in a few weeks' time. <laughs> <laughs> now, David Britton, the the huge telescope we're talking about in P- Puerto Rico has collapsed. Yeah, yeah, it's a really sad sight to see. Mm. Uh, last time we talked, um, I talked about how they decided to decommission. Uh, the instrument because it was uh, too unsafe. They couldn't see a way, a reasonable way of um, getting it repaired and so they had drones up uh, inspecting the cables and the connections and the towers um, to figure out a way of bringing things down safely. Um, they, they, They knew there was a risk of the whole thing failing which is why no one was on it. They were using drones. Um, and yeah, it, it all just uh, collapsed. One cable broke, another one broke. No, I was going to say, when you say collapse, it's not so much... The massive dish is still there. It's just like the cables have broken and stuff. Well, the dish itself is actually um, panels of, of aluminium um, on a, a metal um, grid that's suspended mm. in, a, in a huge dip in the ground and then pulled into shape by cables underneath. That just reflects the radio waves up to a receiver. The receiver is held above that and, and 300 meters up in the air um, by cables that are strung from three huge towers. Right. Um, and it's those cables that broke and the receiving dish and, and the assembly there. It looks like crap. John's just pulled a picture up of it. It does not look healthy. It, I am wondering, yeah. though, if in, if anybody's going to skate it or something like that. It does look like the most ultimate pool bowl in the history of life ever. It, it, yeah, it, it is. Um, I mean, it, and, you know, it, it's a, a shame that they couldn't have um, salvaged any of the equipment that um, they were hoping to. They might still be able to salvage some, who knows, but... Um, yeah, very difficult now. So I mean, now it's uh, I guess it makes it easier to um, remove uh, the stuff now because it's down, mm. um, and the tops of the three towers they, they've collapsed as well. But um, yeah, it's a big uh, loss for, for for science because it's an amazing instrument. Um, it's uh, an icon of astronomy that's uh, been lost, um, and things like. Um, looking out for dangerous um, asteroids that might come and whack us and, and cause problems. It's harder to find them without their Arecibo. Um, and this for Puerto Rico itself, where it's located, it's a, a huge loss, not just for the scientists there, but for the, the, the people of Puerto Rico and, and the scientists there and, and the science education and everything. Um, and Puerto Rico is sort of uh, you know, very much the the poor cousin of, of America, and um, they've felt um, very much left out of things, certainly in the last sort of four years or so, with the hurricane. And um, yeah, so people are hoping that um, uh, something might be rebuilt there, but it's going to take a while and, um, and and quite a lot of money. But, who, uh, who built it in the first place, and are they going to clean it up, or? Would it just be up to locals to like loot it and take the scrap metal from it and stuff like that? 
Uh, no, I, I, I doubt it. No, I mean the the piece that in the middle that fell down weighs nine hundred tons. Mm -hmm. Okay, so just so pretty heavy. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a it's a substantial piece of equipment. When I say equipment, and the, the cables themselves are massive things. These are the sort of cables you'd use to hold up the Golden Gate suspension bridge. You know, or a nine hundred ton thing for a That's little right. while. <laughs> <laughs> Now, David, the Japanese uh, mission to the asteroid has uh, returned to Earth, landed in the Australian desert. Yep, um, Hibisa 2 um, went past Earth. It released the sample um, capsule, uh, which um, slowed down in a very hot way, leaving a trail in, in, the, in the sky, um, deployed a parachute and landed in Woomera, sort of flew over Cooper Petty, you know where the opals are in Australia, landed in Woomera and they um, successfully retrieved the, the samples. So they're uh, on their way to Japan. They, they won't be opened um, or examined until they get to Japan. They, they don't want to um, risk any contamination. How big is the sample? It's, like, it's less than a gram. It's a tiny, tiny sample, isn't it? Uh, I think it's like 10 grams. Yes, it's a small, it's a small amount. Mm. Um, I mean, this is the second asteroid sample the Japanese have, have brought back. Um, the one from Itakawa was about the, the size you're talking about. Um, but, I mean, they've been successful. They've got back here before the Americans, and they're already working, uh, this, the Japanese are working on another mission to go to Mars, in fact, and not bring back a sample from Mars itself, but from Phobos, the larger of the two moons. So send a... Um, a probe there, land on Phobos, get samples, and bring that back to Earth. Classic. Uh, how does it aid science? What do they learn with these samples? Well, from the asteroid, the material of the, and that asteroid is primordial. In other words, it hasn't really been uh, changed since the solar system formed. So you're talking about um, material that's four and a half billion years old and, and is in pristine condition. So it tells mm. us a lot about, well, hopefully it will tell us a lot about um, how the solar system formed and the effects on Earth because this asteroid is in an orbit reasonably close to Earth so it could, could help uh, that as well. Nice. Uh, with Phobos um, there's two different schools of thought but the main one is that Phobos is actually an asteroid from the asteroid belt that's been captured by Mars in other words it didn't form when Mars formed um, so that might tell us more as well. Um, yeah, no, the Japanese are right up there um, with the with these missions. It's really good. Now, speaking of the moon, the Chinese have landed on the moon. And great, 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 great there. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, they they landed their um, craft on the moon, um, planted a flag. As I, I didn't expect them to do that, but it, I suppose you can't. Why wouldn't you? Bit flashy. It's not, it's a weird <laughs> looking. Off. Why don't they just? Why don't I know that there's no wind and all that, but these static flags that people are putting up are rank. It well, looks it's got it looks show, like it's, it's made of Lego. It, it's, it's got a like symbol, so it's got to show the whole thing, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, does it? Yeah. Okay. I mean, the Russians they were there. They brought samples back. Um, the last one was in 1976, and that was the Russians. They've already did this mm. way back then. They kicked over the American flag, didn't they, before they left? I think. <laughs> yeah. Um, but they, they, they had the Russian or the um, USSR flag on the craft, but they didn't get the craft to plant a flag. Mm. So that's the difference here with the, the Chinese one. 
Um, yeah, so it's, a, it's the first time since then. Uh, but what they did do a first here is the first robotic docking. So what they did in this case is they sent a craft into orbit around the moon, sent this one down, a bit like the Apollo mission, um, got the sample, and then the top half of that took off and uh, rendezvoused with the orbiting craft, and they're about to come back to, to Earth. They're due in, I think, December the 16th, they're due back here. The first samples of moon rocks in 44 years, Hope, hoping to prove yep. that it's made out of cheese. Straight on eBay. Well, um, it's made of cheese. Um, some will win a Nobel Prize. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Did you see all these things about monoliths? Yes. Eh? None of them are monoliths, though, because monolith means a single stone, and none of them are made of stone, so none of them are actually monoliths. Um, but, yeah, they, they've um, sort of appeared and disappeared. Um, Romania, the, there's um, one, there's other parts of the world, and uh, this one just appeared on a, um, a beach just on the news today. And this one has um, sort of got a silver-looking, very shiny um, surface. Yeah, so I think maybe it's a bit like the crop circles. It's one of these fads where people are sort of copying other people, perhaps. Maybe, or it's you know it's being installed by a giant tic tac <laughs> that doesn't travel in the ways that we're used to as well. Could be. <laughs> hey, yeah, we've just had a text in saying someone's got a question for you, David Britton. Yeah? Uh, will we see Jupiter slash Saturn conjunction on, uh, from New Zealand on the twenty-first? Uh, well, we're, we're getting to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, in the sky, um, firstly, it's new moon on the fifteenth. Okay, thanks Tuesday, yeah, and there's a total solar eclipse. But we won't be able to see it. The only oh, people in South yeah. America will be able to see it. Okay, well, look, they just lost that satellite. So What's that? Let's give them something. It's probably for the best. Actually. Sorry, I can't hear you. No, look, it's okay. I was just saying that these things come and go, and it doesn't matter, and it's okay. <laughs> yeah, so um, that's something. But, I mean, it should be on the news and so on, and people, I think there will be um, uh, live feeds from South America of that total eclipse. Um, and on, a couple of days later, the very, very thin crescent moon passes by Jupiter and Saturn, but then on the 21st, that's in a couple of weeks, so Monday, week away, um, it's both the summer solstice, so it's when the sun is further south, so sort, sort of the the, um, the longest day, but not quite, but anyway, that's the summer solstice, but also, it so happens, that Jupiter and Saturn are going to be closer together in the sky than they have been for 400 years. Ooh, this time it's personal. So the last time they were anywhere near as close as this was in 1623. Um, and when I say close, I mean, um, if you think of the moon in the sky, Often. as you look at it, that's about half a degree in the sky. Okay. Okay? This will be about a fifth of that. Ooh. So 20% of the moon diameter, Jupiter and Saturn. So you're about to see them um, you should be able to see them naked eye, as very close together. When you say it, the, the last time was like 16-something or other, is yeah. there documented stuff of that, or is that more of a, like a, a reverse-engineered algorithm that's come up with that? Um, that one, yeah, I don't know that was uh, ever documented. The one previous to that in 1226 definitely wasn't um, <laughs> Okay, yeah, that's where you answered my question, I think. Uh, the thing with uh, 1623 is it was fairly close to sunset, so... Um, people might not have um, 
been sort of watching uh, at that time. This one is reasonably close to sunset as well, but I mean, we have the advantage of knowing advance is happening. And also, if you've got binoculars, don't try and look at it until the sun has actually gone behind out of view. Um, it's, it's too much of a risk to accidentally get the sun in, in your eyes. So um, yeah, as soon as the sun has gone behind a, the hill or, or um, really set, um, get binoculars or a telescope out. So at sunset, these will be 22 degrees above the horizon, so it's pretty low. Um, an hour after sunset, it'll still be 10 degrees. So out west somewhere is going to be the best place to view. And in a telescope, you won't just see the planets. Uh, you'll see all four of the bright moons of Jupiter, Europa, Io, Ganymede, and Callisto, and at least one of Saturn's moons, Titan. So you would have two planets and five moons at least uh, in a small telescope um, to do that's on the 21st. Nice. Exciting stuff. Well, just a little mention of a telescope and John gets really, really excited. Now, what's happening at the Stardome? We're, we're in the Christmas season, David. We are. We are. Um, in our night sky um, uh, sessions uh, where uh, people sit in the dome and um, we showed... Uh, the, the, not just the stars, but the constellations, the, the moon and the planets, and what's happening that night. We've got a special Christmas edition um, where uh, a bit more is told about the significance of, in astronomy terms of the Christmas star, what it might have actually been. Um, and also there's actually a Christmas tree in the sky, um, astronomically, um, so you can learn about um, that. Um, so, yeah, it's a, a bit of a a different um, take on, on the night sky in the 360-degree the um, stardome. The other thing that uh, we're still doing um, is our wine, uh, cheese and astronomy every Wednesday for the rest of the year. Um, so it's a great night out to take in the stars, complimentary drink and nibbles. Um, after both of these, of course, telescopes are out in the courtyard, if weather permits, um, for people to have a, a closer look um, at, at what, what's up there. Rad. Excellent. Yeah. I'm thinking about what's good to, while you're looking at stars. Maybe a little bit of knitting. That's a good little activity while you're looking at stars. Maybe well, someone can text that. Well, the activity is asking the, the um, presenters and, and the helpers at the start and what you're looking at. And okay, so knitting might be rude. I see. What, okay, <laughs> fair enough. Yeah. Full attention. I thought next time um, we, we might um, f- uh, focus on holes, um, black holes, actually. So Sending messages to us? Sorry? Black holes sending messages to us. I actually wanted to ask you a question uh, about uh, some astronomers that are looking for potential messages from the universe's creator. Do you know about this story? Perhaps we can indulge ourselves next time on uh, that one. We, we can do, yeah. yeah. Just send me um, an email about that. Cool but what I thought I'd also talk about is primordial black holes, microscopic black holes, and naked black holes. Actually, yeah, I'm glad you got that. That's what I wanted to get on top of that as yeah, well. Yeah, so. yeah. I might even talk about fuzz balls as well. <laughs> I'm sure it'll be mind-blowing as per. David Britton, always a pleasure, mate. Thank you so much, and uh, big ups to Stardome, of course. My pleasure. Cheers, mate. Control, we are docked. That was spaced out on 95 BFM, thanks to the Stardome Observatory and Planetarium.